talk through First uh, Peter as we're going through this summer, along the theme of elect versus exiles, talking about how we're called to be God's elect people. And this morning, this was not even planned by, by us, but actually we're at the end of chapter two, and we're looking at our relationship with the government and our employers, sort of. And so it's kind of good timing with, with the 4th of July being tomorrow and celebrating that right now. It's, it's, it's really timely. Um, but we've been talking about throughout this book living as God's elect, God's chosen people, in a fallen and messed up world. And uh, maybe the fallen and messed up world is more obvious to us than that we're God's chosen people called to, to do something about that and be part of his answer. Um, but we, I'm just going to jump right in here. At the end of the last verse we read last week, I want to read that again, and it's not up here, so just, just listen. Um, but the, the, the title in my, my Bible, the section says, Living Godly Lives in a Pagan Society. So we're kind of in this theme of like, okay, how do we live in this, this pagan society that we're in? Peter writes and says, Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they may have accusations about you, they will see your good deeds. They'll see the, the different way that you're living that points to a real God and glorify him. And so that's, that's what we're looking at. That's the, the context here is we're, we're looking at um, the next couple of topics that come up. God wants our lives and our community's life to be radically different and, and point people to a real God who's bringing his kingdom into the world. So, verse 13. First word is a word we don't like. Submit. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong, and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Right, once again, it's saying, hey, what you're doing, it's not just for you, but it's for your witness in the world around you. Live as free people. Come on, America, we like that. America, free. Live as free people, but... Don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Ooh. That's, that's oftentimes how we view freedom today. It's just like, hey, I can do whatever I want. But that's not, that's not what true freedom is. Don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Whoa! Man, that's like a strong talk right there. Live as God's slaves. You live as free people. Live as God's slaves. Wow. Those, how, do those go together? We're going to talk about that, that freedom, our idea of freedom is doing whatever we want. But real freedom is living the life we were created for, which is a life that, that honors God and serves his purposes. And real value comes not just from doing what we want, but from being part of something bigger than ourselves. We talked about that last week. And God has made us to be part of his kingdom, to be part of him. And we find freedom as we live in service to him. Uh, one more verse here. Show proper respect to everyone. One more verse for now. Show proper respect to everyone. 
Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. We'll keep going uh, in a minute. But I want to just break this section down a little bit. So submit. It starts out. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Um, to submit literally means to place or rank under. To place or rank under. And so that's, you know, when we say someone else, we're placing ourselves under their authority, under their, their rank. And so Peter's saying, hey, submit to every governing authority. You've got to remember the Roman Empire, which was the, the authority in place, was not a very, they were not very democratic. They were not very liberal. They were not very, like, respecting of human rights and freedoms. And they were certainly not respectful of the Christians. They were, most of the time, not going, not, they saw Christians as a threat to their regime. But, so it's surprising that Peter would say, submit to every human authority. Um, these are the ones who, you know, and this, this whole, a lot of this book's about suffering and the suffering that was happening at the hands of this regime. And so, but it's, the a key is, if we go, if we can go back to that first verse there, um, verse 17, uh, or 13, yeah, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority. The key there is for the Lord's sake. That it's not just, it's not that the, the government is not supreme. The government is not God, but we are called to be disciples of Jesus who recognize Jesus as king and yield our lives to him as our king. And so whatever we are doing, it is not for the sake of that institution or that person, but it's for the Lord's sake. Um, whatever we're talking about here is ultimately really about serving God. And so... Um, going to have kind of three main, three main points as we go through here. First thing I want to say is that human authority is a God thing. Human authority is a God thing. God is a God of authority. God is a king. He rules over the universe that he created. He's, the, the universe is made to serve and honor and be subject to him, to submit to him, to be in alignment with him. And that's that's really hard for us to, to come to a place of acknowledging. But sometimes what's even harder is we may say, yeah, Jesus is my king, but nobody else is my boss. Right? Like, okay, Jesus is my king, but don't you tell me what to do. Or don't the government tell me what to do. But it's interesting that God is not only God of authority, but he is, his creation is an order of authority. That if you look at the, the heavenly realms and the spiritual beings, there are ranks and there's a hierarchy of spiritual powers in the spiritual dimension. And when God made the earth, he also has placed, God, he's designed it for there to be godly authority in different spheres, in government, in family, in church, and in the marketplace. And so, human authority is not a human idea, but it's God's idea. And so, um, we are, when we see that, it, we, it changes the way that we view our relationship with all these authorities. And it's interesting, whenever the Bible talks about these different authorities, um, go ahead and show the next slide here. There are some different verses. Like in Romans 13, Paul says a similar thing. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So he's saying, hey, be subject to the governing authorities because it's really about being subject to God. 
When he talks about children and parents, he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So it's not just like, hey, obey your parents, but it's lining yourself up with, with God's rule and letting him be the king of our lives. And in the really controversial passages about husbands and wives, and actually I'm splitting town next week when we delve into this more deeply, but I'm going to let Jesse and Tori talk about it, so you can get mad at them. But when the Bible talks about some of these themes in, in the family, it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband's the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. There's always this connection where it's not just, hey, I'm the boss, or he's the boss, or they're the boss. But it's called to do this as a way of aligning ourselves with Jesus and his authority. And so um, it's, it's in the Lord. So when we, you know, this, this goes against the grain for us. I, a couple, a few weeks ago, I was, I, I took a different route home. I was actually hoping to swing by Jesse and Tori's new house. And so I got off I-70. I was coming from Kansas City. Um, I got off on Highway 99 going towards Wamigo. And there were a, a few orange cones out there, but it was a wide open country road, a country highway. And so I was, I was just easing along at 55 miles an hour. And then I was surprised to see the flashing lights of a policeman behind me. And it was actually a construction zone. And I was going 20 miles over, which is like a 200-some dollar ticket, it turns out, in this zone. And so everything in me is like, what? This is so messed up. Like, there's no construction in sight. And actually, I'm planning to go to court and talk to them about the situation, because I think it's a, not a great use of the government that day, at least. But I had to wrestle through that in my own mind. Okay, probably the first thing I need to be doing is like, okay, wait, I, I need to realize there are authorities in place, and I did not even see them. <laughs> I didn't even see the sign, because I was on my phone. And so, <laughs> that's, that's not breaking the law, though, out, out of the country. Um, so, anyway, but I had to, like, deal with my own heart, like, okay, yes, you know, what, what was just, what's unjust, but there's stuff in me that I need to get in the right place and, and see that, that I, I, need, I need an attitude adjustment here. Um, you know, it's funny that we, we tend to think that of, like, the, the idea throughout history of salvation through politics. That the way the world can be changed is through politics. And if we want to see justice come, we need a political revolution. And there certainly is a place, there is a place for government and being involved in the political sphere. We've, we've been talking about some of those issues and certainly the, the pro-life issue is a very important one um, that we talked about last week quite a bit. But it's important to realize that, Paul, that Peter is not, he's recognizing that the real source is not politics, but something above government. And usually what happens when we, when we, when we focus too much on only seeing change through the political arena, we see this all throughout history, you may have a revolution and overthrow one unjust dictator and bring in someone better, and what inevitably happens is they're the same because they're another imperfect human government. And so it's, it's kind of this tension that authority is, a, is, a, is from God, but it's not God. It's not the Savior. Um, you know, we, I think this is very appropriate this, this weekend with July 4th and what we're celebrating, to realize that our society that we live in is very different than the context to which Peter was writing. 
And so there are some universal principles here about God is the one who establishes governmental authorities. But yet, it's different in that we live in a constitutional democratic republic where we have a say in choosing our leaders. And so, which was very different from the Roman Empire. And so, we have a responsibility to help select the leaders that we are submitting to. I just want to read a couple, this isn't the Bible, but these are very insightful comments from some of our founding fathers that talk about how this plays out. Um, John, Avin, John Adams famously said, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It's wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Now, very insightful that a, gov a government as ours was set up with this much freedom and putting the responsibility in the hands of the people, that's only going to work if people are internally self-governed, if they are under God's authority and honoring him and yielding to him, that's the only way this system will work or it will crumble and lead back to a, to a dictatorship or um, tyrannical situation. Um, John Jay, our first Supreme Court Justice, said this. He said, Providence has given to our people the choice of their rulers. And it is their, the duty, as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation, to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. Wow, we just straight up said it. Like, hey, it's better. You, we get to choose our leaders, so you want to choose the most upright and wise and moral people you can. So those, it should be the church who's producing those people, and we should be selecting them as our leaders. Samuel Adams, not the beer, but the founding father, he said this. He said, let each citizen remember at the moment he's offering his vote, that he's not making a present or a compliment to please an individual, or at least he ought not to do so, but that he is executing one of the most solemn trusts in human society for which he is accountable to God and his country. Wow, that's, that's a heavy responsibility to see that, wow, that choosing our leaders, God is, God is the one who sets people in place, and he's entrusted us part of that uh, voice and vote and, and involvement. And so we need to take very seriously our involvement in, in that process. So human authority is a God thing. In our situation, it's, it, it plays out to uh, we need to respect the government, but we also need to be involved in helping it to be lined up with God and his purposes. Um, all right, we're going to keep on reading here. And this next section talks about slaves and masters. And before we delve into that, we talk about slavery. The, most of the images that come to our mind are really different, or it's, it's, a, it's, it's a different understanding than what slavery was like in biblical times. And I'm not saying that slavery was good in biblical times, but we think of, of, uh, of racist chattel slavery that we had in the US system, where it was just black and white, where it was just pure property, and it was totally racist. And in biblical times, there was a lot of injustice in the realms of slavery, but it was more of a, there was a, a scale of everything from, you know, <clears throat> people in the galley ships, like we you know, see in some of the movies, to household servants who were, all, who were considered family members and who oftentimes were adopted into the family. And so there was, you know, it's, it's more similar to employer-employee relationships than we may think of um, when we just see the word slave or servant. 
There's a, there's a lot of correlation to our relationships with our jobs and our bosses and our places of employment. Um, you know, in fact, there are a lot of economic systems throughout history, and including today, that, <coughs> that has more similarities to slavery or servanthood than, than, we, would, than we would imagine. So, or indentured servitude, things like that. So we think about like someone starting out with a minimum wage job, that it's not a living wage, that in many ways is similar to a, a servanthood situation where you're not being paid enough to be a free person. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, I think that's a good thing. Because people, there need to be economic situations set up where you are learning the self-government and the responsibility to where you can own the, you develop into a person who can have more freedom. But you maybe, you need to start with, a, with a small steps, baby steps. Does that make sense? Um, so anyway, all these, it's, it's not quite so just like slavery bad, freedom good, but there are means of people growing into the freedom that God intends for us to have. And so let's, let's jump back in here, verse 18. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. We'll just stop there for now. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, there it is again, it's because God is our authority, that changes the way you look at this delegated authority that's in your life. So in reverent fear, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good, but also to those who are harsh. The second main like, point I want to make this morning is that human authority is messed up. Human authority is a God thing, and human authority is obviously messed up. And so, I, this is obvious, but, but painful. I remember as growing up, the first time I was, as a kid, I just had the utmost respect and admiration for my father. And I, I literally, I remember like walking next to him as a little kid and thinking, my dad's the strongest man in the world. He's the tallest man in the world. He's the smartest man in the world. Wow, like he's, that's ah, just amazing. I don't know how it all worked out, but I got the, the guy, the man who's the best at everything. And, but I remember this loss of innocence a few years later when someone in one of the kids in our family did something wrong and we all denied it. And my dad came to the conclusion that I was the one who did it. Now, he had good reason to think that, because there were other times that it, it was me, and I denied it and lied about it. But this time, it wasn't me, and I got disciplined for it. And I remember just the, like, sitting in my room, the, like, kind of crushing loss of innocence of realizing, like, wow, my dad made a mistake. Like, he's, he's not perfect. Like, he's, he, miss, he doesn't get everything. And that was, that was kind of painful to process. Like, that was, it was... It was, it was, I realized it was important, but it was also hard to like, okay, wow, there's injustice that I just got the brunt of because of this situation, because of his, his imperfections. And so, and we all live with that. You know, it's not hard to look at the authorities in our lives, the authorities in society, and see that they are messed up. Um, and so, that's easy to see. Now, what's not so easy to see is the instruction God gives us, because our tendency would be to say, well, Everywhere we see where they're falling short, we need to just stiff them. 
and we don't need to respect him anymore. But that is not the approach that God gives. He says, hey, slaves, submit to your masters, not only the ones who are good and kind and generous, but also to the ones who are harsh and unjust. Wow, that's enough to say, I don't want to be a Christian. Like, this is, this is what, what's up with that? Um, but there's a, there's, a, there's, there's a reason for this. And we're going to get into it more in a little bit, but there's a way of us, when we, when we humble ourselves and are willing to lay down our life humbly in situations that aren't ideal or aren't the best, whether at work or in society, in our family, if we are big enough to basically turn the other cheek and say, okay, I'm going to still like, honor God and honor you and not make it about me, then God is honored in that place. And that is really what, what Peter is getting after, what God is getting after, is calling us to a higher way of living that points to something beyond this world. It's not salvation through politics. It's God's grace coming into a human heart and changing us and giving us the ability to be like Jesus. Um, before I go into that more, I, I want to give a little qualifier, though, to say that while human authority is, is from God, and messed up, and we're still supposed to respect it and yield to it. It doesn't mean that human authority is absolute. And so, we, Peter made this very clear, actually, in the book of Acts, when the authorities arrested him and his buddies and said, hey, you've got to stop talking about this Jesus. Just, just shut up. Stop talking about him. He's a threat. And Peter said this. He said, Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. And so that's the line. We must obey God rather than any human authority. Because human authority is under God. Whenever human authority is contrary to God, then we must align ourselves with God instead of what that authority says. So in that situation, they said, hey, stop talking about Jesus. Peter said, forget it. We're not going to do that. So if your husband or your boss or the government tells you something that is contrary to God's word, at that point, that authority is not relevant, but God's word and God's authority is. We must obey God rather than man. And so this becomes quite like a nuanced and challenging, like it takes wisdom as a disciple to look at like current issues, you know, to look at the response to COVID, things like mandatory vaccinations, to look at, you know, we could have said with well, Roe v. Wade, like that's what the government said. That was, that's, that, that's the law of the land. But that was contrary to God's authority. And so there are many places where we need to, to stand against what human authorities are saying. Um, because human authority is messed up and God is the ultimate authority. We'll keep on reading here because it goes on into the, like, the way, though, that when we, in the places that we, we can yield to these authorities, without violating God's word. There's something very powerful that happens. Verse 19. For it is commendable. Or actually, I want to read this in the ESV because it gets it more literally here. Um, for it, it is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For this is a gracious thing. A lot of some of the translations say a commendable thing or a pleasing thing, but it literally, it's the word grace, it's, which is the same word as gift. 
And it's a, speaking of God's gifts. It's a gracious thing when mindful of God once endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Um, there's, we're going to look at how Jesus demonstrates this and brought this about through the way he faced the cross. But just this principle, this, this mystery of how God works is that when we willingly endure injustice, grace is released through our lives to others. When we bear injustice willingly, then grace can be released into the, into the world. Grace is released to other people. There's something that happens that doesn't happen any other way. Your unjust suffering can release grace to other people. So when we are going through suffering, and even this applies to difficulties, but especially in this context, to, to injustice, not being treated fairly, not being treated fairly by your husband or your wife or your employer or the policeman who pulls you over on K99 or whoever it is. When we respond in a certain way, that can change the people around us and releases grace to them and the world around us. More than revolution. More than just doing stuff on our own strength. But God's grace comes and changes things from the inside out. And Peter talks about how Jesus did that. In verse 20, or we're going to get to Jesus, but first he talks about you, or slaves. For, but how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? So much of the stuff we're complaining about, it's not really an unjust boss. It's really just our, our issues, but we like to blame them. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you are called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. To this you were called, because Christ, he went before us. And he suffered for us unjustly, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Now, I love that, that it's talking about showing how Jesus is enduring the mistreatment, the insults that were hurled at him, the very the physical torment and even crucifixion. And he bore up. He could have gotten out of it. He could have just wiped him out at any moment. He could have had a regime change, just the snap of his fingers. But instead, he chose to, to bear up under that because he was releasing his grace into the world and into our lives. He, the only way he could do that is he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He, he said, God, Father, I need your grace. I'm trusting my life to you. Ultimately, you're going to bring justice. Will you be there? Will you, I'm trusting this to you. And that's what we've got to do. It's like, God, I, this is beyond me. This doesn't seem fair. This isn't right. But God, I'm trusting you that you're going to take care of it. And I'm going to follow you in what you've called me to. He himself bore our sins 
and his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You know, it's, it's always so good to, to look back at what Jesus did on the cross. Uh, he, he bore that injustice. He took what he didn't deserve and didn't bring retaliation, but he brought a, a better way through the grace of God to turn things around. And then he did that, that we could be healed, that we could be restored, that we could have life, that, that he wouldn't judge us according to our sins, but extend his mercy and grace to us. And then he empowers us to live the same way. That we can look at those unjust situations or difficult situations in our life and entrust ourselves to God and through that see his grace released not only to our lives but to the lives of people around us too. You know, it's, it's interesting when you look at the history of, of Christianity, the history of the church, the things that have brought the most change have been people doing that. It's been people who have been persecuted, who willingly took it, people who were martyred, people who willingly gave up their life, and instead of denying Jesus or in, instead of just going along with things, but said, okay, you can, you can take my life, and their witness and something spiritual that happens in that situation brought change in their, in their nation, in their society, won over the hearts of people around them and brought God's grace. And that's who God calls us to be too, people that bear up under injustice and bring, release God's grace into the world. And so I want to just um, pray for us that this is a, a nice in theory, but very challenging to live this way. But it's by God's grace. It's, he's already gone to the cross. He's already extended his grace to us to live this way. And, and so um, let's, let's pray together and just trust him. Father, we um, acknowledge you today as, as Lord, as King, as the one who deserves our every decision, our every attitude. God, I just I worship you as the one, King Jesus, who, who demonstrated a higher way that you bring your kingdom into the world to bring peace and justice and healing and freedom. But the way you do it is through the way of the cross. And God, I thank you that you brought that to us. You've brought that to our nation in, in very real ways. You desire that for our nation. You desire that for the nations of the world. Lord, I just pray for us that you would help us, Lord. Help us to to follow you in living like this. Lord, help us to know what to say no to and what to yield to. And God, I pray that you would help us to do it with, with courage and humility and with your grace and by your grace. Lord, I trust that even in just each of us individually, even in this, this next week and the days ahead, Lord, in whatever situations come, that you would give us your wisdom, you would give us your understanding to know this is the way of the Lord. This is how to shine 
like lights in the midst of a corrupt generation and that you would empower us to do that. Lord, we thank you for that. We trust you for it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.